0: Shannon thank you for being here again of course how are things with you I'm good I'm actually moving
1: this weekend down to my dad's house so it'll be a little bit of a busy weekend
0: (laughs) okay for like vacations or you are just moving from this house that you are now
1: well I'm ending a lease here and then I'm going to Germany in August so it's sort of like a stopping point So I have a residency down in Germany. Excited for that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm very excited. I'm learning German. I'm on, like, level A2, so I'm trying really hard. (laughs) (laughs) It's
0: like as you know learning a new language is very overwhelming yeah especially in the beginning is like especially if you have different phonetics and stuff like that in the beginning it's quite complicated because you you can't wrap your brain around it mm-hmm. so that can be mind-boggling sometimes
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely
0: How how are you doing Uh, I'm quite good, quite a a busy last couple of weeks, a lot of interviews, a lot of recordings Mm -hmm. for new sections of the magazine, a lot of interesting people that I've met, so I'm quite lucky with that. I'm going to go to an exhibition this Saturday in Regua, in uh, Porto, near Porto. Mm -hmm. I was invited uh, to go to to the opening. I think it's going to be quite nice because it's Is in an old country house, you know, the big country house, and they transform it into a museum of some kind. So they have an exhibition uh, with a friend from my uncle. So I'm seeing the exhibition and going to talk with the artist and being there with So I'm really looking forward to that. That sounds awesome. Yeah.
1: I want to (laughs) go. You can go. Just
0: fly in. (laughs) You can can come with me. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So, for today's episode, we are discussing. Oh, sorry, I'm just looking for my notes so that I don't mess the name. So, we are turning our attention to the artist Peter Schoolsworth, whose practice offers a critical analysis of the pressing contemporary issues. So just an overview, his practice focused on the impact of technology on individuals' identities, social constructions, and the converge of physical and visual realities. Do you want to talk a bit about him?
1: Yeah, I think today we're going to talk about
0: some broad topics
1: that he's addressing in his current work, which is the absence of the physical human body and social interactions in the current digital age.
0: Yeah, I actually got excited about this artist. I spent quite a long time looking through his work and comparing his work to the artist. I'm also comparing his work too. And it's quite amazing when you look at his work because he's able to not only approach the concept that he's trying to approach through the concept, but also through his visual language. Mm -hmm. So I will talk about this further, but I just want to give it this little note because I thought it's quite important to, to wrap it
2: up it's like we've migrated into a new remote space located somewhere in between our bodies and the world and putting on a mask every day i got to thinking about how we hide behind all the profiles text messages and these dreadful zoom chats we endure it's almost like we're navigating a simulation of a life we once lived from a distance
0: so what's sets his work apart is his ability to craft allegories, paintings, and digital elements that cap- capture the sense of modern existence. And mm-hmm. he does this by delving into the identity formation in an age defined by increasingly abstract social realities. He basically, expo- Shannon will explain one of his works, but basically he, he really works with the human body. He creates these avatars that intersect with the physical and digital realms and so it compels the viewer to contemplate the intricate dynamics at play in technology mediated worlds. Yeah, I think
1: he he like makes the intangible invisibility of technology visible like he shows he pairs an image with something that's
0: abstract and I think he does that really well. Yeah, and because it gives an embodiment because he works with the body, so these avatars depicted in different contexts and realities, really gives us an overview of his own reality and perspectives, and how the concept of these shift, shifting identities that happens when we, most of our generations is on the virtual world. They are not a physical representation of these identities. Uh, so when he does this, creates these bodies and these elements with masks, when he creating the COVID, uh, COVID work that you wanna reference to, mm-hmm. I believe, the seams. Mm-hmm. So he has the masks and all of that. And, and also it, it raises a question of authentic, authenticity mm-hmm. and agency of virtual reality, uh, realities. So the physical body and its counterparts and if it, it can basically influence our perception of ourselves and others. I think he really wants to give a critic and a warning how our these shifting identities that basically the, the identities is not supposed to be a generic or subjective representation of ourselves. Mm-hmm. But when these bodies are not in the physical realm, because it's a digital realm, really shifts.
1: I like the word shifted identity, or the two words, shifted identities, because it's like a 10 to 50 degree separation of our actual selves, like online. So it is like, if you imagine, like visually, like a ghost print of ourself, like if you think about printmaking, our shifted identity is like the ghost print. A ghost print is like sort of like a test print during printmaking. It's only like a a ghost of the image. So I feel like shifted identities, we're all like ghosts of our own images online, which is kind of interesting.
0: Yeah, and and really it shows a critical dialogue or critical discourse around the contemporary shifting atmospheres that goes around not only political, religious and social atmospheres all around the globe. And And basically pinpointing these alterations, modifications to these shifting identities or the the importance that people give to this ghost-like identity that most of times doesn't resemble the the physical body and the uh, uh, identity or the being that we are outside of the, the virtual world. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then I will just touch a bit on the COVID-19. I know you're going to explore more on this, but uh, just a, a small point here that so e really talks about the symbols, so we use the, the mask and the reference to isolation to allude to the distancing and disconnected nature of our digital lives, where our online personas exist completely independently from the physical bodies. So this explorations strengthens this visual language um, and evokes the chaotic uh, emotion and uh, preserve a sense of isolation that has become all marks of our contemporary life. And then I just want to mention something here that I really found in his visual language that I said that at the beginning, because his, his painting is very traditional in terms of the way he explores the body. But the way he paints is really... It talks about materiality. It creates these impasto marks. I believe it's from the... Especially that give character to the to the images he's creating to these figures that he's creating, so the, the, this gives another layer to his work, especially if because he also considers the, the importance of painting in this digital world where, where you have now work of art that are created by AI mm-hmm. so he's really creating this all this atmosphere of authenticity.
1: Yeah, I think introducing materiality to an immaterial world is is really an important element because he's trying to confront this challenge of, you know, just like simulation, like where we all feel like simulated and like he wants to bring us back into the real world with like physical
0: paint, you know, like tactility and viscerality of paint, you know? What's your opinion? Because you are a painter, so your base lies in painting. What do you think about this?
1: Well, I mean, I think the reason I... I mean, it's not the only reason. Like, I've always been, like, somebody who never enjoyed, like, Photoshop. Like, I just... (laughs) It just does nothing for me. So, (laughs) I just, like, I think there is... I think it's actually very hopeful because I think people... Even when we have all this, like, just multitudes of types of technology, we still want to engage our hands in work, like we still want to touch, we still want to feel and try to work out things in our own brain without AI giving us hints or whatever. Like, we still really need challenge. And it's super evident in his work. Like, if, like, this is not an easy way to paint. Like, he has these super precise edges, a lot of control, a lot of layering. It's very clean. It's, he's trying to complicate the image. Like, he does, if there are so many other ways he could communicate his concept, but he shows like a really challenging way to do it. So I think it's kind of hopeful because people will still gravitate to challenge, I think,
0: in a digital world, which is it's nice. Yeah, and also I think it's trying to show that there is a lot of layers to the human individuality and identity. Mm-hmm. So you cannot only make a ghost or a shadow of that identity because it, you're going to only be able to understand one part of it and for us as individuals is to show one face let's say like this and not all the different layers that we have and developing mm-hmm. that because it's talking about what you were just mentioning the commodity mm-hmm. that all these ai virtual spaces are giving people but we still we still look for challenge i imagine the same thing for you when i was creating this the the layout for this podcast and having the critique analyzing the, the two artists i spent three hours or more, just, you know, to document side by side, looking at his work, looking at the work of the artist I'm presenting. And it was sometimes really confusing and really stressful just to try to find, you know, the connection from all the, the, the two parts of the artist. Mm-hmm. But it was so, so, so interesting to do that. Mm-hmm. And my mind really appreciated that.
1: Yeah, there's sort of like a sense of satisfaction, obviously, when you do something that challenges your brain. Also, I don't know if you want to talk about the image I I brought up. It's called... Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Please. Yeah, it's called Shifted Sims Number 13 COVID-19 Expansion Pack. And it's like, it's you know, it's kind of a disturbing <laughs> image. It, there's nine figures. <laughs> yeah, look at yeah. it. <laughs> there's like nine figures and like one guy's got a meat face just falling off of him. And he's like leaning back and he has like this emoji coming out of his mouth. It's like it says hot. And then there's like a medieval character in the background taking pictures and he's got this virus coming out of his head and there's like twins but like one of them's almost all green and one of them's like partially red and I I find the most disturbing figure like the woman on the couch she's just like staring into oblivion with like a sweatsuit on a (laughs) tracksuit she wants to go outside but she can't (laughs) and I don't know but like all of these figures they're they're not looking at each other like their their gaze is somewhere else which I think is it reflects like isolation and not not feeling connected even though we're like quote-unquote connecting online So I think it really captures the failure of online communication. And even like the colors, they're like not natural. They're kind of artificial colors. And the line, like nothing's organic about the image. Everything's super flat. And it's not an image you would consume if you walked outside your door.
0: It's a very digital image. Yeah, and it does this all by painting. It's really really impressive. It is. It is. Yeah.
2: My show, Shifted Sims, starts from this question of how can painting depict this new, weird, once-removed existence we're living? I think anyone that is making a painting now can naturally draw from so many different styles or ways of depicting something. In this show, I've, I've taken the heads which I've painted in a somewhat expressionistic, gestural manner and. Surrounding these heads, there's this very automated, tightly controlled space of simulation that comes in conflict with it. This has something to do with the human experience trapped inside of this oppressive infrastructure of the digital world.
0: This is a very charged image because at the first glance, you don't know where to look Mm -hmm. because you have so many different things happening at the same time. It's, mo- it's most like a animation of some kind where you have or illustration of some kind where you have different figures happening. But I do understand maybe it's, it's trying to to talk about the different ways we interact with different things. Maybe this is just one person in a room yeah. and this is all the emotions that the person goes through. I, I'm not sure. I, did, I didn't read the, the writing from the artist regarding this work. But from mm. first glance, maybe just these different perspectives of the same person, and I don't know, yeah <laughs> the the way
1: the way I read it was it's sort of like somebody's screen time scrolling through their eyes. It could be from any one of those in figures' perspectives, just like imagining what their page history was on their phone, what websites they visited. If you just like imagine your own screen time the most it's just a wild collection of images like you know there's like a bouncing pig on a ball and there's like <laughs> there's some kind of uh, thing you should be worried about your health or something <laughs> and then you know there's a catastrophe across the world like it's like a weird thing to like confront yourself with every day
0: and I think he just kind of leans into that yeah and if you're gonna see their- that if people didn't have this access to so many sources, as you said, news from across the world, concerning our health, some, some fun times, some memes, if we didn't have this all this information coming in, maybe our identities would be simpler. Mm. Maybe he's also uh, talking about that, that even though most of his aim is to, to or warn us, let's say like this, about the how the identities are being disconstructed. Mm-hmm. Uh, also underlining saying that it becomes more complex, our identity, because we have so many access to so many things at the same time.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good lead-in to one of my comparisons, um, The Rear Window, or just, it's just Rear Window, by Alfred Hitchcock, because you're talking about wanting to, maybe not wanting to, but the fact of looking at all these things online it's like a somewhat of an attempt at trying to make a more complicated identity with yourself like maybe you're a little bit bored with your identity and you want somebody else to fill the voids because in the movie rear window the main character jeff he got injured in a photography accident in an auto race and so he's just kind of stuck in an apartment complex and he's just bored with his own life like he's he can't like entertain himself with his own thoughts so he decides to spy on his neighbors basically with binoculars <laughs> to in an attempt to complicate his life cuz he's so bored and i i wanted to include this as a art comparison cuz i think it's easy to think like oh it's just social media that we do this with but that's like just basic technology like a pair of binoculars to, like, complicate your own yeah. identity through the back window. Like, <laughs> like he... I love that movie, because, like, he's... I just love... God, I can't remember his name. Damn it. Anyway, look up the movie. If you just look up Wonderful Life, he's the main character in that, too. But, like, he's just, like, so convincing. He just cannot remove himself from the window, and it's it's a complete parallel to looking at Instagram like these are all just open windows we're looking through you know into other people's lives so I just wanted to include it because it's like I think it was maybe the 1940s that this film was made so well before the internet but we still have this inherent behavior to cure boredom like with you know complicating our own identities by like bringing other people into our lives or into our psyche you know yeah and
0: you, you you can also create a bridge if you if you think that uh people most of the times when they want to support them they just go see a movie mm-hmm. uh they just go see a movie because they are able to enter this voyeur character mm-hmm. without being morally wrong because you are mm-hmm. spying on the your neighbor or you are just you know scrolling to s- snips of identities and environments that you don't n- don't know more about in the movie you have this narrative and this construction where you are able to to be a voyeur on the life of a character
1: yeah it does kind of raise the question like what is moral about it like is is it okay to like how far do you consume somebody's life you know it it is a little bit when is the line like when do you close the screen you know so I guess that's like a personal journey for everyone but I don't know I do feel like sometimes I'm like all right this is enough like just go outside you know yeah and I, I think
0: when you have so much on if imagine if it's if I'm on Instagram just spending some time and it's something that is light and is not showing too much of a person's life, mm-hmm. when it starts to be something that I would be speaking with a friend or a, clo- a close friend, a, a relative, I, I think, no, I shouldn't be here. Even though, okay, it was the, their choice to be showing that. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm, you know, eavesdropping to someone's conversation. Then you have so the moral concept and it starts to be very blurred and not defined. Mm-hmm. So what I'm trying to point out here is that if you if we are not aware and do we not check these visual realities and how much distorted this identity that they are showing is, it can really, and you see that already with people mimicking Instagrammers or influencers and most of the times it's, it's not even true. And that mm-hmm. can really damage someone's identity and real ca- character that it does never come to light and that's always a shame. Yeah, absolutely.
2: We spend so much time now communing with other ominous profile icons and honestly we have no idea who's behind them half the time. The shifty nature of these empty containers allows for fantasy experiences, but at the same time enables shaming, trolling, and other forms of licentious behavior. Painting a figure that's controlled by another person presents many interesting challenges.
0: So bringing that, I just wanted to mention, I I had like a section here about the, you know, about the late capitalist structures, but I believe everyone might be aware of this. I just wanted to make a little note because I thought really was something to think about that he mentioned this was uh, Jonathan Crary in one of his late books, so Late Capitalism and the Ends of Sleep. And he, sa- he said, or something that he mentioned, that we are eliminating the useless time of reflection and contemplation. And I, w- I want to hear your opinion, because for us as artists, mm-hmm. our time of reflection <laughs> and contemplation is very, very important. And I believe all individuals should have time for that. But mm-hmm. what is mentioned here is that for, mo- for most of, of us individuals is a useless time. What is your opinion?
1: Yeah, I think he's what I took from this is that the technology is just kind of uh penetrating all times of our life not like times as in like years but like every minute, every second of our day and there's no more reflection time. Like there's no silence time like all of our brain time is consumed by something that isn't quiet and like you said as artists reflection quiet time is paramount like that's how we produce work we have to be we have to be bored like we have to let our mind wander and I think this like yeah. fe- the, I think it keeps for me this conversation keeps going back to like this fear of boredom and it's such a crucial step to be to being creative. Like we have to get a little bored. We have to sit with our own thoughts and like let everything settle. So yeah, I think the title, Late Capitalism and the End of Sleep, like i I do that. I, I scroll through stuff trying to fall asleep and I don't sleep. <laughs> and it sucks and I'm and I'm mad that like technology has put its hooks in me that I can't just like put my phone in another room you know like I need to do that (laughs) so yeah and like I think the reason why I run a lot of it's to like I can't have my my hands busy on the phone while I'm running I just have to like be in my body so I think like for me that's how I access the wandering mind is running. I think for other people, it could be meditation. It could be, I know you have practices of your own if you want to share or not, but it's. I just think we need to have this time where our our little nimbly fingers aren't like scrolling through the screen all the time.
0: Yeah, and because m- one of my practices is reading. Mm-hmm. So most of the time when I go to bed, I, I put my phone away, I put it on, on Not Disturbed, and I read, it's people great. say, oh, but you are, you know, just looking at something just to numb your boredom. But the difference is, when you are scrolling through social media, your brain is not working. No. When you are reading, you are creating all of these scenarios in your head. And in the beginning, I'm honest, I just, it took me some time because I stopped reading for a while, in a hard time. When I came back to reading, it, you need to be really focused, but then you actually feel a shift in your head where where you can access that that wondering as you as you're saying wondering mind much easier and you are uh, able to focus so I think it's is really important to find ways to just detach ourselves from digital sometimes it's very difficult especially when people work on their computers but just but maybe have the computer and put the phone away so you just concentrate on the computer for a while just finding ways <laughs> that because it's it's so important that our identities are able to grow to the full extent that they should be.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, this is so important for, for me to to see someone that has their identity. is still because our identities shift along our journey, so it's normal. But it's so important that we don't stunt the growth of our own character just because we are following trends or... You know, just and especially as artists, we need our own character, and we need to be able to sit and focus on our work and our paintings, our sculptures, performance, anything, and it has to be unique mm-hmm. because it's an it's an extent of ourselves.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of thinking like an art class where you're all given the same exact assignment, and then you come back and like none of them look the same, and that's kind of the the prime example of. Of the best thing that could happen when, you know, you're not influenced by everything. You're just you're reflecting on what the words say and how that mixes with your own thoughts, and
0: that's kind of a
1: beautiful thing.
0: I just want to shift. Mm-hmm. I just I don't know if I have a, a lot a lot of time, but I think it was worth mentioning this artist. Mm-hmm. Um, is my comparison. I'm not going to be too long because well, she's a very complex artist she's one of the artists that apply to the open call art and politics that I'm I'm, I'm interviewing oh. and uh so her name is Guinha Asine. Assine maybe I said what Yasin see? okay i'm sure we're yeah. we're
1: trying we're trying Shannon, hard Shannon,
0: <laughs> <that's what? laughs> So I just read a bit of her bio, just a small exploration. Mm-hmm. So she is an anti-disciplinary artist based on the land. I think she's probably very funny
1: mm-hmm.
0: because the way she she writes. Yeah. she writes. Based on the land of the Musqueen, Squamish and Tislay actual people, so-called Vancouver. Her work uses various medium, including film, installation, performance, text and drawing. And she confronts the ideological and patriarchal system that she grew up in while exploring collective feelings and what it means to embody memories and put into question. Using hybrid forms of storytelling, where story manifests as som- somatic e- experiencing rituals and gest- gesture, her projects are uh, portals to factual fictional dimensions that activate collective memories. So in terms of her background, she, I will not mention here, but she has a lot of studies and she exhibited in so many places. She She's really accomplished in terms of her art career. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of my analysis of her work and her connection with Peter in specific, one of the first connections I did is the exploration of the body and how it's central for both their practices. Mm -hmm. So, it really focuses on how individuals and shared experiences find embodiment through emotions, movements and storytelling. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And then she uses uh, video performances to establish a connection between the performer and the audience. Mm -hmm. Uh, This way she's able to translate stories and emotions into movements and spatial experiences. So basically, she's breeding life into historical nav- narratives through the power of the body. And Peter's work, as we have been discussing, talks about the body, avatars, and the play into the physical and virtual realms. Another shift here is the attention to the the critic of systems and power structures. the The main difference between them is, of course, the concept. But as you were saying, Peter is is a very broad critic of Today's atmosphere. Ginoise is very personal, mm-hmm. so she basically draws the experience of growing up in Lebanon during the civil war and within a traditional Shiite ma- Muslim family. I think family. it's Shai. Uh, <laughs> Shai Muslim. Shai, yeah. yeah. Shai, yeah. And so she's able to shed uh, light on the social norms, uh, power structures, and gender roles uh, that affect marked bodies i believe w- when she mentioned because she talks about a lot about marked bodies i'm i i presume it's the marks of society in yeah. that body
1: yeah i was that was a new term for me but i really like that term yeah i don't want to c- cut you off but yeah i did i do like that <laughs> <term>.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah no it was a term that i was trying to understand because mm-hmm. she talks about how political and re- re- religious ideologies are mm-hmm. connected with the interpersonal and you know you know societal or the collective so i read marked bodies i assume that would would be the the body marked by society right. um, yeah. enforcement yeah and then we have so peter's is the disconnection and also they they both have an interdisciplinary pr- uh, approach and i believe this both of them enriches their perspective. Mm-hmm. So uh, Peter influences painting, music, and digital culture mm-hmm. to create a multi- b- multi-dimensional experience for the audience. So it, it, it enriches the, the his perspective and brings this conversation to life. In Guingua, she combines neuroscience, spirituality, politics, and feminism, and she meticulous approach all these topics. And in the way that you can really see how much depth she puts in the work, not only for the conceptual research she does, but the way she creates all the performances and works of art.
1: I kind of look like um, Peter's work brought the human back into the world, like halfway, and then she brought the human even more into the world by using her own body, like her, like not representation of the body like in painting but her physical body so it's sort of this like stepping of bringing ourselves back into the real world from digital communication
0: yeah and and she brings another parallel because she's talking about how these individual marks affects the collective, and how the collective affects the individuals. Mm-hmm. So she creates this all the, the parallel between the individual and the collective on a broader scale Because uh, Peter is critiquing how this loss of individuality of identity is creating these sh- these shifts, and she's saying that actually, if you have an effect on an individual uh, perspective, it affects the collective too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think my only my last note on her on work is I picked a work to talk about. So how far can a marked body go mm-hmm. is a life performance. Mm-hmm. And so it explores the capacities and agency of Lebanese women's bodies that have been marked by war and patriarchy, mm-hmm. emphasizing the active function of the body rather than its Submission. So this is a live performance. And she interplays between reenactment, archival images and animation to tell the story of these embodied agencies. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also performance, installation, lecture. And her work can be interpreted as a spatial storytelling endeavor where she utilizes these very mediums to convey the same narrative that it talks about not only the collective but the individual. in this contest, the Lebanese women and the, the struggles that these women have. So it talks about how women are affected by the, the political and the religious and she gives voice to, to, her, to their experience, basically.
1: Yeah, I really like... I mean, I couldn't access the video because it was a live performance, but I really like the title of it, how far can a marked body go? Because I'm thinking about how all the demographics that have that don't start out with a leg up like it's an interesting question like how far can any marked body go marked by any challenge that they're experiencing in a lifetime so i think
0: that's interesting yeah you're gonna always have inequalities that you are born with and if your country doesn't have a lot of war, uh, patriarchal um, systems are stronger there, uh, this m- might have a lot of, because you're going to probably str- struggle harder to accomplish things that you you wish to accomplish and to, to have your voice heard.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of thinking of like, in track, there's like a staggered start with the lanes. You know, if there's like, I, I forget why they do that. There's like an event, they they do like a staggered start. And that that kind of reminds me of, like, how far can a marked body go? Because, like, some people have to start from behind, you know? Just trying to find, like, a
0: visual for that. An artist's mind working. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And, yeah, that's my conclusion of the artist. I thought it was great to, to bring her because they do connect on a lot of aspects. And they actually help to understand each other's work in a way. When I was creating the critique of their work... I actually started to understand because I started with Peter, and then I went, I stopped a bit on Peter, and then I I, I went to Pinua, and then I started to understand a lot of parallels between their practice, so I understand deeper their work, and that's why I wanted to bring her because I think her work is very very powerful. I I will leave the links uh, of both the artists. It's quite important that. you can see it. Yeah. Well,
1: that's that kind of highlights the importance of functioning as an artist within an artist ecosystem like you know we need each other's perspectives to understand our own perspectives and we need to look at perspectives outside of ourselves to understand those perspectives against each other so i think that kind of is important um, to think about so do do you want to wrap it up do you have any more thoughts I think it was a great, great episode. There's a lot of dense concepts, so I hope people possibly listen to, two times and it, it might sink in a little better. Yeah, I, um, it was fun. Always happy to do it.
0: Do Do you have any a, a hashtag for these for this episode? Yeah, yeah. Let's do one. So it's I O
1: A E A, and then you can type Peter Schoolworth, or you could type. Gwena Yassin, and we'll have the names typed out so you'll know um, and if you want to just respond to their work or just you
0: know you could even just say hey I listened to this podcast and share it that's cool too. Yeah we're trying to create a community here so mm-hmm. having not only as you just said not only have our perspectives of both of us talking about the artists it also helps us as artists to look at our own practice so it's it's for us it's very important that you comment or have a conversation with us i i'm open open to that i'm sure shannon's open to that too we leave our instagrams in the description so if you want to reach out we totally appreciate that yeah
1: reach out (laughs) see you see see you next time all right bye